be here. Uh, such a blessing. I, not, not part of the message tonight, but I, I hope that you really take seriously these prayer requests for one another. Um, you know, one thing I know, we need each other's prayers. I, I, if there's one thing Christians need right now, it's other Christians praying for them. You don't, you don't know. Some of you know what other people are going through, but some people in here, you know, you come to church and you, you, you've got it all put together, your tie's straight, the gig line's good, you know, everything look, you looks great, but inside you're a mess. And I'm not saying you're necessarily in sin, but you're hurting, you're confused, you know, the, the bills are overdue. Pray for each other. Please pray for one another. Pray for your pastor. Um, please pray for him. And I, I do want, want to apologize, Brother McGovern. I didn't realize till Jerry mentioned that I'm wearing Michigan colors. And that brings me to my next point, by the way. Okay. Last time I was here, we had the, the old pulpit. That was in December. I preached. And I don't know if anyone remembers what happened that day, but, but Jerry Jordan set a Michigan helmet on there. Desecrated. Defiled. And now come back and we got this. I'm like, Jerry, can I borrow that helmet? I'm going to try that trick back home. I'm like, man, I, I, see, I thought that it was the halfway of the tribulation because I'm like, that's got to be the abomination of des- desecration. You know, it's got to be it. But uh, it got a new pulpit. Maybe didn't set the events of the last days going, but it got a new pulpit. So, Brother Jordan, if I could borrow that, I'd sure appreciate it. Um, what, what, this one or the old one? <laughs> that wasn't the one I was going for. Uh, that was already defiled, but uh, anyway, I'll get, I'll get it there, but, but awesome. And then the other thing I was hoping tonight would, would to hear from Pastor T-Bone. Uh, I was hoping to hear um, from him, but, but anyway, you guys show me how to get Daniel airdrop that to me. I don't even know how to get to that, Daniel, so you guys show me that later. He's like, do you got your airdrop on? I'm like, what's that? I do have an iPhone. I have no idea what a, an airdrop is. So uh, I got dropped on my head a few times, but that's about all, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, Psalm 119, verse 161. Please pray for us. Um, you know, right, right now it's kind of funny. Brother Ross is down there, and, and our, you know, just pretty, pretty low church service. So our church isn't as bad as he's going to make it seem. Uh, but there's nobody there. Um, you know, when our six go another family, you know, I've, I've been there for 17 years and, um, you know, our, over the years I've been there, seen a lot, very transient place. You guys understand with the army and air force being here, we have the coast guard, but also it's just the nature of the place. A lot of people just come and go. And, and so right now as far as church, we're experiencing more going than coming. And, you know, so, so pray for us. It's, uh, you know, it, it's tough on folks. You understand that. You've been through it. Some of you have been here a long time and you've seen it. And, and on the, when you're in the valleys, you know, it gets hard. When you look around and the people you love, the people that your heart's been knit to for years, and that you know love you and pray for you and they leave, it's hard. So, so pray for us, if you would. Uh, tonight, I, I want to encourage you. I want to help you tonight. Um, just... I'm not going to teach you anything new tonight. We've been studying at our church. We've been going through Psalm 119, longest book in the Bible. We just finished it last Sunday. Uh, the theme for our, our church this year was the sanctifying truth of God's Word. Because in John 17, 17, Jesus said, praying to His Father, sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. 
It's God's Word that's going to sanctify you, that's going to transform you, that is going to make you different than you were. You know, the Bible says that when we receive with meekness the engrafted Word, it is able to save our souls. It is able to deliver us from the things that snare our soul, the things that, that hold us in bondage. God's Word has the power to transform us and to deliver us. And, and so we, we've been going through this and, and just finished up every week. We've been going through uh, one of these sections of eight verses. And this one we, we did a week before last. And I'd like to preach tonight. The title of it is, In All of Thy Word. In All of Thy Word. Let's read it. I'll pray. And then we'll get into it. Verse 161, David says, Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in all of thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee. Uh, he says, my heart stands in awe of thy word. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity to preach to this wonderful church body. And, and I do pray tonight that you'd be exalted, your word would be lifted up, and our hearts would be just, just encouraged to have the right view of your word. May your spirit do the work in each of us. May you just be glorified because you're worthy of the best we could ever give you. And we thank you for the salvation we have in Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. You know, one thing I, I noticed, I love, I love this chapter as we've gone through As you go through it, you know, eight verses at a time, there is some repetition and, and certain themes you see over and over and over again. And, and that's okay. Um, you know, Peter said, told the, the, his audience that I want to stir you up by way of remembrance. You know, we need to hear things over and over again because we don't always remember them. We, we don't get them. You say, that's not true. Okay, then uh, what did uh, Brother Weasler make for announcements? You know, I mean, it's like I don't. We used to have bulletins and all that, and people called. We're having an event at five o'clock. People text me the day of. Hey, Pastor, what time's the event? Like, why do we do announcements? Why do we? Why do we have? Uh, why do we have bulletins? They're they're just a waste of ink because nobody reads them anyway. But uh, I don't know. I'm just I don't know where that came from. But <laughs> but. Yeah, anyway, um, but one thing that, that I've seen through, through this chapter is that David desired to have a proper relationship with the Word of God. I mean, you see throughout here, uh, his love, his, his passion for the Word of God. He didn't have the, the canon of Scripture completed like we have today. He had the law. He had personal promises that God had made to him and made it concerning him. I mean, that's what David had. But, you know, I mean, over the years we, we've spoken many times about the fact that we need a vibrant working relationship with the Bible. Vibrant. Where it's, it has life to it. Your, your devotional life should be alive. You know, and part of the relationship with your Bible has to do with your attitude toward the Bible. Right? Because if your attitude toward the Word of God is wrong, 
then, then the Word of God is not going to have the effectual working in you that it could. So let me just, I mean, kids, it's the same way with you. If your parents are talking to you and you have a disrespectful or a, just a, a sloppy attitude toward your parents and their word, what they're trying to teach you, what they're trying to tell you is not going to register. It's not going to take root because you just don't care. Um, and and we, all, we all have that in our, in our lives. You know, Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica in, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing, because when, when we, ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. I mean, you received it as the word of God. I mean, so, so part of that, and he says, it effectually works in you that believe. You know, you, you must have faith in the Word of God. You must, you must approach it, the Bible says, with the spirit of meekness. You must approach it with the spirit of faith. You know, because otherwise, I talked to a guy yesterday, Monday, I think, at my fence. A guy, we used to have a, a homeless ministry and, and that we'd minister to. And, and honestly, I, I take, you know, Probably a lot of people in here, I'd, I'd take this guy, I mean, drunk guy, yelled, I mean, I've seen him walking by my fence many times, swearing, yelling at cars, cussing them out because I don't know why. And, but, but if I was to stack this guy up against Pastor McGovern for Bible knowledge, they'd be pretty close. I mean, he, and uh, it just, and we were talking, and, and he was like, tell me all these things when he was ordained and this, and, and he's got Bible knowledge. But he, I, I said, I said something. He said, I just don't know what I believe anymore. You know, when, when you don't have faith in the Word of God, I don't care how much of it you know. It's just empty knowledge. It really is empty knowledge. And it's not very helpful. It's not very effectual. But what I, I want to look at tonight is David's attitude toward the Word of God. He said, I stand in awe. There's, there, I've got like seven points here. Uh, we're just going to see uh, what happens when we have the right attitude toward the Word of God. But three things I see about that real quickly before we get to the points. These are like your pre-points. These are free, okay? We don't charge for the pre-points. But, but what do we see in here about David's attitude? One, we see an attitude of reverence. My heart stands in awe of thy word. That all has to do with reverence. Have you ever really just sit back and considered that the God of the universe, the creator God, the, the, the one God, the only God, wrote you a letter? He, he wrote you a message that He wanted you to have. He had something for you so that you could come to know Him. So that you could be born again. So that you could receive Christ. So that you could know um, who He is. How to come to Him. Listen, we can't figure that stuff out ourselves. And we try. And, and, and we, we mess it up. But David stood in awe. I mean, this is an inspired... I mean, you're independent Baptist. We believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture. Okay? Do you ever think about what that means? That God took time to breathe this book uh, through man. He spoke through human writers exactly the words that He wanted us to have. And, he, and not only did, did He uh, inspire them, He took the care to preserve them. And then He took the care to have them translated. 
I mean, God has went through, it's not a lot for God, I understand that. But, but over the, the centuries, I mean, God has made sure we have His Word. And we treat it very casually. I'm not saying everyone here, maybe no one in here, but Christianity, by and large, the Bible is something we tote to church on Sunday. If we even do that anymore, we've got these apps. Um, <clears throat> listen, people say, well, Pastor, I was just looking at my Bible app on the phone. Okay, I understand that, but when you're doing like this, your Bible app, you ain't got to do this for Bible app. You know, you ain't Bible app and that, you, you know, you're texting during church. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into that. That'll be a whole sermon. But, but David had a respect, a reverence for the Word of God. That it meant a lot to him. He, he had an awe for it. Secondly, look at verse 162. He says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I mean, God's word was like a treasure to him. It was like treasure. I mean, if some of you went to your mailbox, when you get home and you check your mailbox and there's a, a genuine check for $500,000, you're going to rejoice. Woohoo! Now, if you go to your neighbor's mailbox and find a check for $500,000, you're probably going to jail. But, um, but uh, call pastor. He doesn't have anything to do later anyway. He'll come visit you. That's what he does. That's what we do. So, but, but listen, it was, God's word was like treasure. I'll talk more about that in a minute. And the third thing here is David loved God's law. He loved God's word. He says many times, thy law do I love. 167, my soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I love God's law. God, I love your word. Why did David love God's word? Because he loved God. You know, if you don't love someone, you typically don't care about their words. You don't care what they speak. I mean, there, there may be some exceptions to that. But, but the more, you, more affection you have for a person, the more you care about their words. And David had that. Listen, what, what do we see here in, in this section about David's life with this right attitude toward the Word of God. There's seven things here, I think. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I might need one of your Air Force guys to come count these for me. Uh, Army guys, we, uh, I didn't get that far. But uh, seven points here. When my heart stands in awe of God's Word, what does it do for me? Or what does it produce? Number one is rejoicing. Rejoicing. Verse 162, he says, I rejoice that thy word is one that findeth great spoil. I mean, David took great joy at the commandments of God. I mean, as I, as I said, it was like treasure. I mean, like a spoil in Isaiah 9, 3 talks about these men that rejoice when they divide the spoil. And, and that is typically, you know, a military term, a military idea. When you go, you, you know the phrase, to the victor go the spoils. Back then, you know, countries would often amass wealth by going in, destroying other countries and taking all their gold land, houses, uh, cattle and all that. And they would amass great wealth because of that. Well, that, that was what the spoil is. The spoil was what's left over after you win the battle. You know, you go in, you defeat the army. Hey, this guy's dead. He's not going to need his money anymore. I might as well take it. You know, but... He says, hey, 
it's like a great treasure, like great spoil. When I go in and, and, and rejoice at it, when God reveals this truth, it's like finding treasure. It's like finding something extremely valuable that I know I'm going to need. He says, I, I love it. And it makes me rejoice. Now, why don't... I, I thought about this as I, as I was preaching this the other week. Why, why don't we find great spoil? Why don't we find these great treasures? Well, it's often because we're not willing to hunt for them. You know, when would they... You don't get the spoil before the battle, right? You get the spoil after the battle. How many, how many Christians today are willing to toil in God's Word? Not, not that God's Word should be drudgery, but how many times... How are we, why are we not often willing to put in effort? You know, Paul said to study to show thyself approved unto God. I mean, that, that's one of the dreaded uh, S-words in Christianity. Don't say the S word. Which one? Study. Why? Because that involves effort. I mean, listen, winning a battle and getting the spoil requires effort. Finding treasure. I mean, there are people that mine for gold. You don't just go out, oh, I got a, you know, a plot of land with, a, with gold on it. I'm just going to go look around. No, it takes work. It takes digging. It takes sorting. It takes discerning. It takes time. Takes money, you know. But but we're, we we don't get you say, man. God's word it, it doesn't jump out at me. How much time do we spend digging? How much effort? How much prayer? How much prayer do you put into God's word? I encourage you to go through this um, this chapter. I think it's seven times um, that he that God, David prays in here. Teach me. Teach me thy statutes. Teach me thy judges. How often do we pray when we approach God's Word? Whether when pastor's preaching, whether through Sunday school or in your own devotions, how often do we, do we, um, do we pray? 1 John 5.3 says, This is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. It's not a, when you love God, the things he tells us to do, they shouldn't be drudgery. They shouldn't be painful. Oh, I've got to obey. Oh, I've got to go to church. Oh, I need to, i got to give. i got to... Oh, I, I've got... Well, i got to abstain from, abstain from fornication. Oh, i got to, I got to speak truth. Listen, God's Word is not drudgery when I love God. You know, I was... Uh, I, I shared this thought with pastors the other week because sometimes... You're, uh, you're, you have thoughts while you're preaching and you don't have time to uh, run them through the heresy filter before you say them. You know, and, and I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm coming through this thought and I'm like, okay, I'm going to speak this. I, I don't have time to process it. But, but you know, God, God gave us His Word. And yet, how often do we, do we ignore it? You know, and I thought, I thought about this, why that's so, so important or so harmful. Husbands and wives, you know, we, we are to, to uh, listen to one another. Why is it? This, this hit me. This was a pretty profound thought. Someone else, I probably stole it from someone. I'm sure I didn't have it. But what, what got me here was, you're know, talking about ignoring the Word of God. God gave His Word out of His heart. So when I ignore God's Word, I reject God's Word, I am rejecting God's heart. Think about that in terms of your marriage. And this has really helped me. I'm, I'm not perfect on it. My wife will, uh, she'll, she'll verify. But 
I've really been trying to take a conscious effort because the Bible says out of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So, husband, when my wife's speaking and I'm ignoring her, I'm ignoring her heart. I'm a scumbag. <laughs> you know, I mean, listen. Hey, parents, when my children are speaking and I'm ignoring them, I'm ignoring their heart. They're, because words are communications of the heart. They're giving a piece of my heart. And when I say, I'm not listening to your words, I say, I don't care about your heart. That's, I'm like, wow, that's pretty deep. <laughs> that's pretty serious. But, but what is my attitude toward God's word? God, I don't, I, don't, I don't really care what you have to say to me. But David had rejoicing. And when I have the proper attitude towards God's word, I'm going to rejoice at it. it. It's going to be a joy to me. Second thing, I'm going to get through these pretty quickly, is uh, when, when I stand in awe of God's Word, I hate lying. I hate untruth. Verse 163, I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. And the one thing I've learned is I, I can't have both. I can't love truth and love lies at the same time. It's got to be one or the other. And a proper attitude towards God's truth and God's standard of life, God's standard of righteousness, it calls me to abhor and reject deceit and other forms of dishonesty, both that which is being taught and both that which I practice. I can't love truth and practice lies. I can't. We do, but it's because we don't love truth. You know, and, and also, you, the, I, don't, I know if you, I don't, I'm sure you figure this out now, but the world's full of lies. I mean, the world's pretty mixed up right now. Listen, 30 years ago, we didn't have a problem knowing what bathroom to go in. I mean, we could figure that out. I mean, we're so confused now, we, we, we don't. I mean, we, we've gotten so smart, we... The verse that comes to mind continually is professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. When you, uh, Romans 1, when you leave off the knowledge of God, you, you become foolish in your th- vain imagination. Their foolish heart was darkened. And that's where the world's at. But listen, as Christians, as Christian parents, we have to, we have, to have our, our truth detectors on. We have to filter everything that goes into our kids' mind. There's so much garbage. Uh, so much garbage out there. That the kids don't. How do they know what to believe unless we teach them? I love Psalm 119, verse 128. He says, Therefore I, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And look at this last part. And I hate every false way. I hate every false way. I completely reject it. I completely despise it. It has no part in my life. It, if, if God's way is true, and if anything is opposed to that, I completely reject it. I, I denounce it. You know, he hates lie. He hates the false way. So... A right attitude towards God where it produces rejoicing. It produces a hatred for deceit. Number three, it produces frequent praise. Look at 164. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgment. Seven times a day do I praise thee. 
Because David understood that God, God's judgments were righteous. God's word was right. Because God's word came from, God's righteous judgments come from a righteous God. And as David considered it, he said, seven times a day do I praise thee. Do we praise God? Just, just think, do we praise God seven times a day? <clears throat> can, can I ask, you raise your hand inside your heart, don't But do you complain about gas prices seven times a day? You smirk and you do. Guilty. Um, I mean, you, you complain about the rise of inflation, uh, the rise of food, the rise of gas, uh, cost of living. I mean, listen, and I'm, I tell you, if you dwell on that stuff, it's going to bring you into depression. It's going to bring you into despair. Trust me, I fight it because I, I see. I mean, things aren't getting cheaper on the island. Um, but, but, you know, but seven times a day, because David understood the greatness of God and understood the righteousness of him and his sentences. That, that everything that God said was right, and it caused David to praise him. To exalt him, to lift him up because of his righteous judgments. Every declaration God made was right. It was without fault. It was perfect. Because we serve a perfect God. A holy and righteous God. And that's the, the, the basis by which our praise should start. I love Psalm 107.8. It says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Your praise always ought to start out because of the character of God first, then because of the blessing second. You say, why? Because God's goodness never changes, but sometimes the blessings do. So if we're basing all our praise or all, all our um, worship on what God's done for us, one, it becomes selfish, like everything else we do. But, but then, you know, if God stops blessing us, then we stop praising Him. Right? I mean... I'm not the only one that's done this, you slackers. Be honest. I mean, we, we do this because we, I have nothing to praise Him for. Well, is He still good? <laughs> so, so if I start my praise on the fact that God is good and His Word is righteous, then I've always got something to praise Him about. Even if gas prices are high, even if food's high, even, you know, even if the budget's tight, I've still got something to praise God for. Why? Because He'll never cease to be good. So you'll eternally have something to praise Him for. Number four, a right attitude towards God's Word produces great peace. 165, great peace have they which love thy law. Great peace. That will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. A right heart towards God's Word brings inward peace. It brings peace in your conscience. When you are right with God, you have peace on the inside. You know, great peace have they which love thy law. And again, we'll see it down, down here at the end. You cannot separate the love for God's Word, the love for God, from obedience. We can't separate them. They're, they're pretty much uh, knitted together. But great peace. You know, a Christian who, who has a conscience, like the Apostle Paul, he strove to have a, a conscience void of offense before God and man. And, we, and when, we, when we're walking, and listen, we're not perfect. God knows that. How many provisions has He made for us to not only to be saved, but also to be cleansed 
and, and have right fellowship with Him. It's in the read First John 1. That's such a great chapter that we should never take for granted. Never take that for granted. But, when, but when, when our heart's in tune with God and His Word, there's great peace. I can lay down in peace and sleep because I know I, I'm in tune with my Father. I know I'm walking in obedience. And I can have the assurance that when something bad happens, it's not God's chastisement. You know, and that, that's, that's great peace right there. You know, not everything... Every time something bad happens in your life, is it chastisement? But also not every time something bad happens, is it bad? It's just we think it's bad. Oh, we've got to let God determine what's bad and what's good. But anyway, God's Word great, brings great peace into our soul. Number five, I think, and I, I don't know how to word this, but when my, my heart is in all of God's Word, I become stumble-proof. What in the world are you talking about? 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Now, for years, in Baptist, we've butchered this verse. We've butchered this verse. We've misused, we've mistranslated this verse. We've misapplied this verse a thousand different ways over the years. Because we, we independent Baptists, we will say, oh, you know, I just called sister so-and-so, she got offended because I said something about her ugly kid and she left the church. She obviously doesn't love the Word of God. Because great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. You know, I don't know why she got offended because I said, said her husband was stupid. She must not love the Word of God. But is that not how we preach this thing over the years? <laughs> you know, if you get offended, listen, that, that word, that, that's what I used to think because that's the way I always heard it preached. You know, as, as I've studied God's Word myself, and so I found out sometimes the way I've heard things preached is not exactly what it, how it actually is meant. <laughs> Man, I, and I've even preached it wrong. Uh, but I, listen, once I know, I don't, I don't want to do that. But great peace have they which love thy all, nothing shall offend. That word uh, offend, it means a stumbling block, an obstacle or an enticement. It means to trip up. In other words, I, I believe it, it, it has to do with being enticed to sin, but also being enticed to turn away from God. Tripped up to fall away from God. And I was thinking today, when I originally preached this, I didn't have it, but I think of Psalm 73. I'm just going to read a couple verses because I, I know times, uh, your time is important. Psalm 73, 1, he says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. And, and Asa, this is a song leader at the time in Israel, he says, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Asa is saying, You know what? God is good to those who are of a perfect heart. Those who are of a clean heart. But he says, As for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. In other words, he said, I almost stumbled. I almost fell in the path. I almost turned away from God. Why? Because I was envious at the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He was looking around and seeing the wicked people. That they were living up. They lived a good life. They, they prospered and they had it made. And he's looking. And, and you can read. This chapter is an amazing one. 
Because he said, God, I've served you. I've been faithful. And I, I've got sickness. My bills are late. My, my dog's got three legs. My, you know, my wife is cranky. My kids are ugly. I've got problems. But those who have nothing to do with you, they've got it made. Their life is great. And he, he says, man, when I, when I thought about this, it was too painful for me. He said, I thought about how good the wicked had it and how bad the godly had it, and it was too painful for me. I couldn't stand the thought. But see, his feet, he almost stumbled. He almost was offended. But something happened. He says in verse 17, until I went to the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. He said, surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. Now look at verse 20. You can listen. Verse 21, he says, Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast hold me by my right hand. See, Asaph got hold of the Word of God. He was ready to slip. He was ready to turn away from God. He was ready to just call it, call it a day. God, I'm through with you. This going to church thing, this being faithful, this uh, soul winning, this tithing, this, this service, I'm done with it because I have problems. And the wicked that want nothing to do with you, they drive nicer cars, they've got bigger houses, they've got more money, they've got it made. Then, then he said, I went to church one day. I heard the Word of God preached. And then I understood, you know what? At the end of their life, there's destruction and torment. He said, I was such an idiot. I was such an idiot. See, God's Word set him back straight. Got his thinking right again. You know, listen, great peace have they. Nothing shall trip them up. Nothing shall cause you to turn away from God when your heart is, is in tune with His Word. That's what's going to keep you from falling away. You know, in, in uh, the Gospels, Jesus even talked about that, that offending. If thine eye offend thee, cut it out. That don't mean hurt your feelings. If thine eye cause you to stumble. You know, if you're, you're not going to be, you're going to be stumble free. With the stumble proof, with your life is right with the with God when you're walking in obedience, when you're walking in the leading of the Spirit. <clears throat> you know the the Bible says, um, "This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh." Now, I know I'm I'm going to set I'm going to set your uh, your heresy detectors on on uh, on edge right here. Pastor, don't, don't, don't open the trap door on me just yet, okay? Listen, there's this whole idea of sinless perfection. Now, let, let me just, I'm going to, this kind of rhetorical, but can, is it possible for a Christian to live a life where they do not sin? And you're going to say, no, it's not. Well, the Bible, I just quoted, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So I will say that God, God says He's made... Um, by His great and precious promises, He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. God's made every provision for me to, to live a life where I don't sin. However, we will not always take those provisions. Listen, did you walk in the flesh today? My wife's just, uh, just give me the old eyebrow raise. 
because I was in the flesh at the restaurant. I'm not even getting into that. About ruined my whole the whole meal, just just angry because I'm dumb. Listen, because my flesh is still real. And listen, and it and it gets mad over because the the waitress talked me into a different meal, and I wanted an egg roll, and the new meal cost more, and it didn't come with an egg roll. Uh, anyway, but listen, and my flesh can cause me to do some really bad things, say hurtful things to my kids, act like a complete idiot. My flesh is just as bad as yours almost. You're laughing at me, but you're, you're, not, you're no saints. Well, you are saints. That's a great thing, but you're not perfect because we all have flesh. But listen, God's Word. Keep, listen, how did, how did Jesus combat temptation? Three times when He was in, He said, It is written. But listen, He didn't just quote it. Well, it is written, you know, uh, Thou shalt serve the Lord thy God, and Him only shall thy worship, and then worship Satan. See, we know it, but do we do what we know? There's a difference. That's where the love comes in. Obeying. And we'll see that in a second. Six. A right attitude toward God's Word brings hope. 166. I've kept thy precept. No, verse 160. Yeah, 166. Lord, I've hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. God's Word brings hope. David had confidence in the promise and faithfulness of God. And it calls him to retain hope in his own personal deliverance. David had problems. But because of God's faithfulness, David had hope. David had confidence that God was going to bring his... Where do you have hope? Where is your hope? Is it in the stock market? Is it in your 401k? Hey, what about this one? Is it in the Republican Party? If your hope is in the Republican Party, you've got flawed hope. Let me just say that. Do you vote Democrat? That's none of your business. Of course I don't. But, uh, but listen, but I've learned that they're just as corrupt. Listen, they, they might have an R by their name, but often they're as corrupt as the D's. Look at why. Because they're made up of the same sinful stuff man, mankind is. Without Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, they're going to do the same regardless of the letter, regardless of their political affiliation. And we need to pray for them. Now, again, I agree with the, the views of the R's. But, uh, but anyway, well, not all the R's. I'm, I better get out of that. Because <clears throat> there is a, a Senate primary coming up. And there's one I will not ever vote for. But I can't, I can't say because I don't want to promote political candidates. But her name does rhyme with Bermowski. <laughs> but anyway, anyway. But David, David's confidence in the Word of God. It, it gave him hope. Listen, where, where does your hope of salvation come from? Does it come from your feelings? <laughs> you know, you know um, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. That is a solid uh, promise from the Word of God. That's, that's where we get our confidence from. Not from our feelings, not from an emotional experience. Our confidence comes from the Word of God. And that's what hope is. Hope is confidence. Lastly, 
when my heart stands in awe of God's Word, it produces obedience. Verse 167, My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them. You know, we again see the correlation in these verses between the love of God's Word and obedience to God's Word. You cannot separate them. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I cannot say that I love God's Word and I love God and disobey His Word. It's hypocrisy. And I believe First uh, John 1 says I'm a liar. I'm deceived if I do that. Um, listen, obedience. A right attitude to God's Word uh, produces obedience. Why? What motivated David's obedience? The last half of the verse will close with this. He says, for all my ways are before thee. That's the omniscience of God. Listen, the omniscience of God ought to really motivate you to obedience. Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere beholding the evil and the good. I want the eyes of the Lord everywhere beholding the good. I want God to see when I do good, when I'm pleasing to Him. But I don't want to see Him. I don't want His eyes to be in the restaurant when I'm acting like a complete idiot. I want a complete idiot, but I was pretty close. Just because of my flesh. I don't want Him to see those. You know, it's like, you know, the God of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps, so He wasn't taking a nap. He didn't miss it. So, I, so, I, so this afternoon, I had to pray. God, cleanse me. Lord, please forgive me for acting like that. Let my flesh get, take control. Listen, and because you were tired, or because you were hangry, or whatever, that's no excuse to let your flesh take control. Because when the flesh is in control, the Holy Spirit's not. And that's when a lot of bad things happen uh, in your life and in my life. Listen, as God's people, our hearts need to stand in awe of Thy Word. But, but it's not just, i got a reverence for the Bible. We set it up, we build a trophy case for it. Oh. But listen, I really don't have a reverential attitude toward it if I'm not reading it. If I'm not memorizing it, if I'm not meditating upon it, and I'm not obeying it. Listen, we need that right attitude. God loves you enough to give you His Word. Let's love Him enough to obey it, to read it, and to share it with others, to take the gospel to this world. Pastor. Amen. That'll certainly.